Welcome to the Texas Oil & Gas Podcast, the show dedicated to bring you the news from the oil patch deep in the heart of Texas, with your host, Ryan Ray and Josh Shelton. Welcome to the Texas Oil & Gas Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode, episode 39. I'm your host, Josh Shelton, with my friend and co-host, Ryan Ray. Ryan, what's up, buddy? Josh, it's a it's a great week over here in Texas. It's um, you know kind of cold now, but uh, I got to tell you a story. And you know I was gonna break it to you live, but I didn't hit record the first time we recorded this, so <laughs> this is the second time we recorded it. But um, I got to meet up with a listener this week, and uh, I don't want to say the name because he didn't say you know tell his name, so I'm not gonna do that. But um, I was asking about the various shows that we have, and you know Energy Week. Um, with me and David Blackman, Oil and Gas Market Recap with me and Alfonso. This show, I used to do the Global Angel Podcast, which I think is where he started listening. Just, you know, trying to get some feedback. And I was kind of asking about the different people come on the show. And the, and I asked about you. I said, Josh Shelton. What do you think about Josh Shelton? He goes, man, that guy's, he's all, like always at the beach and he's never working. <laughs> and... <laughs> And I laughed. I laughed so hard because I thought, you know, it's good to know that the people are listening, that they get it, that they know that Josh Shelton is traveling the world, drinking pina coladas or whatever drink with the straw that you drink, and you're not putting in work. And they're, they're, I think they're kind of saying, Josh, that they're they're expecting more out of you. Um, <laughs> we, you know, we, we've got a blue collar listenership, man. We want people that are going to grind it out. So. Uh, I'm just saying that the, that the people are catching on, and so uh, you might not want to mention you being at the beach anymore. But we need his name, phone number, and address. I'm going to go pay him a visit. <laughs> <laughs> but I got a, I did. I got an absolute kick out of that when he said that. And so, uh, <laughs> it's, yeah, it was. It was. That was the first thing he said. And uh, after last week, you tell everybody you work, you're at the house and you know your neighbor's blowing the leaves off. That probably didn't help your case any. But, <laughs> no. But, <laughs> You set me up, man. But, oh, wait, well, yeah, I'm not. No one knows if it's true or not, and that's the beauty of it. But uh, <laughs> before we go any further, let's thank our sponsor, which again is Inkhead. We all know that branding is important. Uh, even John Shelton knows that, as he's branded as the guy who travels the world on the beach. But sometimes we fail to execute on getting our brand and promotional products made. As 2017 begins to wind down, now is the time. If you're going to get coffee mugs, tumblers, pins, shirts, car decals, whatever it is, this is the time to get it done when you got a little bit free time before we hit the road on 2018 here's what you need to do if you go to globalenergymedia.com slash inc you can get free shipping on your first order if you use promo code aff ship free that's globalenergymedia.com slash inc you can get free shipping on your first order with promo code aff ship free as long as the promotion lasts but be sure to check that out quick um and so it's a good offer josh you know sometimes you order that stuff and the shipping can be as you much know, as the order. uh just as much as this order yeah and so a few other things josh before we bring on david blackman and sergio again today is uh questions first question uh first friday of the month question segment if you're going to participate in that we need some questions from the listeners we have some we'd like some more uh ryan at globalenergymedia.com is the way to get your questions in and we will go through those on the air the first friday of january we have enough for january and maybe enough for february it'd be it'd be kind of close um we have one listener uh one of my favorite listeners I talk to on Twitter all the time, sent in a lot of questions. So we got a lot of homework to do, Josh. But um, we can take more. We'd be happy to take more. Ryan at GlobalNGMe.com. Shoot your questions into us, and uh, we'd be happy to get those done. Ratings and reviews in iTunes. If you could do this, it really helps it out. There's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes. And um, part of that is, you know, Josh is working hard, believe it or not, from the beach to bring on different <laughs> guests. To, to you know, we're, we're always trying to improve the show. And the best way that we can do that is we can go 
out and tell someone, hey, we have a very loyal fan base. But the, but the way we show that is, one of the ways is at least, is we can go to iTunes. We say, look at these ratings, look at these reviews. They're five stars. They're writing nice things about us. So if you could go in there, click that five-star button, and write just a few little sentences about what you like about the show, we'd love to hear it. If you got negative things to say, email me. I'll give you Josh's email, and you can talk to him about that. But... Uh, We'd appreciate a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps, probably more than people realize. It really helps spread the the, uh, the show, and it shows to our guests who might go, you know what, I'm not sure about coming on this show. Um, it really helps them feel a little bit more comfortable because they look and they see that this is a, a listener group that is uh, that enjoys the content. So if you enjoy the content, you appreciate it, you appreciate the um, what we put out, what we do here, that would really help us. And, so, um, and then finally, uh, one more thing is uh, every day it seems like you know, Spreaker is who we use to host our podcast. So you can download the Spreaker app, but it seems like every day they are updating and adding new little functions and features. So I just want to run through this one more time, Josh. Obviously, iTunes, uh, Stitcher, Google Play, the Spreaker app, you can get them all there. TuneIn Radio, um, uh, I know some of our programs are on TuneIn Radio. This program is on iHeartRadio, so if you have iHeartRadio, if you have an Alexa, um, there is a way to get it from Alexa. I can put that link. Uh, I'll, as a matter of fact, I'll send you a link, Josh, and you can put it in the show notes so folks can, if they want to listen to it while they're cooking their bacon in the morning, they can listen to Josh Shelton's voice. They'd be happy to do that. We'll, we'll put a link to that in the show notes so you can check that out. But the show is, you know, it's, 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 it's interesting because those are kind of the big platforms is Google Play, iTunes, and Stitcher. But um, the Spreaker, who we use to host the podcast, are always kind of put in new places so we'll we'll try to keep you up to date with that but it is um interesting in the podcast space i know the listeners probably don't care much about that but it is kind of you know permeating through different spots of the internet that you wouldn't have thought before i never would have thought that i would have been on alexa josh but uh but i am yeah you know ryan i went and tested that out and uh you know my southern draw and alexa wasn't getting along on getting texas oil and gas podcast it was pulling up all kinds of stuff (laughs) Well, yeah, and I think, and that's why I'll send you this article. I don't, I don't know if you've seen the article or not on it, because when I looked at the article, it was, you know, they, they sent us a thing and said, hey, you're on Alexa now. It's like, oh, great. And then you looked at the, there's a couple of steps to kind of do it. Um, but the main step is you have to download the Spreaker app, I think, uh-huh. in Alexa. I don't have an Alexa. But um, there's a couple of steps. So I'll send you the article and you can put in the show notes and then you can try it out. But um, but once you once you kind of get everything set up, then you're, you're good to go. And so, um Anyways, so, um, but yep, so that's it, Josh. Had a great week, as we mentioned, and uh, it was fun getting to sit down with one of the listeners. I always love that. And so um, I'm out and about. Um, I live just south of DFW. I'm in Houston a lot. Shoot me an email, right at globalenergy.com. I've met a handful of listeners um, over the past year or two that, you know, um, just from Twitter and uh, LinkedIn and Facebook. And I always love connecting because, to be honest, the first question I always ask is, you know, what do you think about the show? What can we improve? You know, what are we doing wrong? What could we do better? What do we miss? And so uh, we always love that feedback. And so, uh, anyways, be sure to let us know. Well, Ryan, we have uh, a lot of breaking news coming out this week. We have two guests that are going to be coming on today. So we're just going to run through a few of these. Uh, The first one is Junction Energy, uh, Junction Energy Capital. Uh, They're doing some work building a $128 million storage and distribution facility. It says they are projected to have about 100 jobs, uh, 30 to 40 full-time. The other other 60 or 70 are going to be part-time. Uh, that's going to be around the Corpus Christi area. So that's something to take a look at. Uh, Wolf Midstream Partners plans a new Permian Basin crude oil gathering and terminal system. Uh, Magellan is, uh, they're building a pipeline with an expandable capacity. Um, joint venture, a uh, huge uh, project in Pasadena, Texas. Uh, they are, is Valero Energy Corp and, um, and Magellan are putting together a, 
$820 million marine storage facility. And that's going to be going uh, along the Houston Ship Canal and or the Houston Ship Channel in Pasadena. Uh, and the last one we have for today is Enterprise. They are planning to ship more, uh, per, uh, more crude uh, to the Permian area around the Gulf Coast. And uh, so that's a few, few things to keep, keep an eye on. A lot of opportunities there. It's kind of our, our weekly job call and job reports. Uh, there's going to be some opportunities coming available with these companies. Uh, I know that was a lot of information, so we're going to link all that in the show notes if you want to follow up and, uh, and keep, keep tabs on some of this. Uh, lastly, Ryan, we have the, uh, the drilling report from Drilling Info. It was up 2% this week at 1,027, the rig count that is. And uh, it, it's been fluctuating under, right under a thousand, right above a thousand. It's been uh, kind of going back and forth, but we're up this week. It's uh, everything looks good. Uh, everyone's pr- predicting a a bump in the drilling in 2018. And Ryan, I, I don't know if we want to talk about this on the show yet, but I believe we have a guest that's coming on from Drilling Info to uh, to meet with us. What we're planning is around January. We don't have an exact date yet, but uh, it looks. Looks like a, it should be a, a great interview. Yeah, and Josh, that's good to point out because you know, we, we do the drilling info index and we were kind of talking to those people the other day about uh, just various things. They sent our press release and we put that on globalengineering.com and they said, hey, yeah, we got some folks that come out. They've, drilling info has a lot of stuff. They don't sponsor the show. They're not paying us any money. Just want to be very clear about that. Um, we use their product and this is, you know, this is why we did Baker Hughes, but their index is updated daily. And so it just, you know, when we record the show, we don't have to worry about is it out or is it not out? David Blackman um, and, and me do a show on Mondays called Energy Week. That we use Baker Hughes um, if we do it because Baker Hughes is updated. And, it, you know, it, it's kind of new. And so, you know, I've talked to Alan. I interviewed him before. And, um, you know, kind of hearing how they, they do it. I'm curious to see over the long haul, you know, which rig count actually shows to be a little bit more, uh, a little bit better, more accurate, if you will. Um, but we like the folks at Info. They are coming on. And also, Alan Gilmore is coming on Energy Week on Monday in unrelated news. Uh, David sent me an email this morning. I believe that Alan's going to come on. And um, and so that would be good to, to to hear from him as well. And we're going to talk about some stuff. If you've been following Alan, Alan Gilmore on Twitter or LinkedIn, he's kind of been touring the state and talking about various energy issues. And oh, one more thing, Josh, I want to point out is, you know, you threw out those job numbers, and I know you know this, and the listeners know this, but it's always good to remind folks, you know, those job numbers that you gave, those are just the full-time jobs, really, or the, maybe the part-time jobs that the company's going to offer once this product is in service, or this facility, or this pipeline, or whatever. Um, you know, there's a ton of temporary jobs that are going to come on the on if you're, you know, um, during the construction stage. So it's a lot more than what's even being advertised. Um, and sometimes we, we hear those numbers like, oh, that's great, 200 jobs, 300 jobs, whatever the case is. But the lead up to that, there might be, you know, two, three times that amount just from various construction companies, contractors, and things like that. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Ryan, uh, I think that that finishes up uh, what we want to go over today uh, before we get our, our guests on. Is there any last thing we want to we want to touch on before we bring on David? No, no. I will say this. Um, just kind of a note to the listeners. Um, I know like some of the shows that we do at Global Energy Media are going to wind down here in a few weeks, but this show is not. This show will be going nonstop service uh, through the new year. So there will be a Texas Oil and Gas podcast that will come out every week. Um Nonstop for well, I, I know Josh has got a got a little one on the way, so that we'll break for that when that happens in January. But beyond that, we will be going nonstop service through the end of the year, and uh, we're kind of excited about maybe do a kind of a special show to end it all uh, to end it. And with that note, because Monday is when we normally release the show, the twenty fifth is Christmas, and um, 
January 1st is m- Monday. I probably will release those shows on the 22nd and the 29th. So they'll probably come out a little bit earlier. We record on Fridays. We normally release on Mondays. But um, because, you know, Christmas, I don't want to be editing a podcast, I'll probably go ahead and get that on the 22nd, Josh. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I look forward to that. That'll be uh, that'll be interesting. All right. Welcome on to the show, David Blackman. He's a Forbes contributor, associate editor of Shell Mag and co-host of Energy Week podcast. David, how's it going today, buddy? Going great, man. It's a beautiful day in Texas. Well, we got some big news this week, David. Uh, the GOP tax bill is coming out, and uh, we interested on your take. We have, uh, you know, they're, they're opening up, or they're trying to open up the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge for drilling uh, in the bill. Uh, how do you see that playing out, David, and what kind, of, what kind of consequences will we expect if that does open up? Well, I, you know, it's in the, in the bill as it goes to conference. They started the conference committee, you know, early this week, and uh, it, we'll see if it stays in or not. It... Uh, Depending on who you want to believe, it either has a zero score in the bill or it scores a little bit negative over 10 years. Uh, it's hard for me to understand how it can possibly score negatively, but, uh, you know, that's how the Congressional Budget Office works. It's a, a really weird uh, uh, statistical model that they use to do their scoring. So uh, we'll see if it stays in. I suspect it probably will, because if it doesn't, you're going to lose Lisa Murkowski's vote. Uh, in the Senate. And um, I don't think the Republicans uh, have the capacity to lose her vote and, and get this bill passed at the end of the day. So um, what will be the consequences? Well, <laughs> that's a good question. You know, it, there's a very limited number of companies who are going to be able to even think about uh, drilling wells and producing oil uh, from Anwar. It uh, for those who are not aware of it, Anwar, we're talking about the very northernmost little sliver, about 2,000 acres in Anwar, where any development would take place. And it's about 150 miles from the northern extent of the Trans-Alaska Pipeline. So if you do drill a well successfully there, you're going to have to lay a 150-mile pipeline uh, to get it over to the Trans-Alaska to put it into that pipeline that'll take it down to Seward uh, for export out of Alaska. And that is a major, major capital investment. Just to get started even drilling a well up there is a multi-billion dollar exercise, okay? Mm. So the number of companies that uh, are going to have a real interest in trying to develop the resources underneath ANWR are probably limited to the major integrated oil companies like Total, ExxonMobil, BP, Shell, you know, that class of a company. The independent producers, uh, oh, and the other part of that is it's, you're talking about a seven-year lead time probably minimum before you're able to produce your first barrel of oil from the beginning of your uh, obtaining of a lease until you're actually able to produce oil is going to be seven years probably. And that's kind of an optimistic assessment. With a multi-billion dollar upfront investment, uh, with a risk that you may not ever be able to produce anything because everything you try to do is going to get tied up in, in litigation uh, by all the environmentalist groups that are going to line up to oppose you. All that litigation is going to have to go through the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, which is the most liberal anti-oil and gas, anti-fossil fuel, anti-development court in the country. 
before you can even get a final decision from the Supreme Court, if the Supreme Court even agrees to hear your case. And, and Shell has found out all of this the hard way uh, in their efforts to try to develop their leasehold in the Beaufort and Chukchi Seas uh, off the north slope of Alaska. Shell has invested many billions of dollars and is still to this day, after a decade of trying, more than a decade, not produced a barrel of oil uh, out of those leases. So this is a very iffy proposition, regardless of what happens in the tax bill. If it, you know, if you keep the language in there, it it just, it's a crapshoot whether or not any oil will ever be produced. So it's a, you know, I mean, I, I think it's the right thing to do. There's, billions and billions of barrels of oil underneath and war that we will as a country, you know, need someday probably. But um, uh, the companies that are going to be interested in taking those risks and, and taking all of that litigation on and all of the public relations impacts that's going to have on your company is going to be severely limited. Uh, and I just think that's kind of the situation. Yeah, and just for the listeners, Energy Week, we've me and David have talked about this several times, and so you go back and check out those episodes on the Alaska side of the issue. I want to kind of bring it back to Texas in two steps, David. First, um, you mentioned that there's big companies that are you know, only the big companies are interested in doing this. Um, we've seen a lot of investment here in the state of Texas for you know the Eagleford, for the uh, for the, Bar- the Permian, the Houston Ship Canal. We just talked about that, Corpus Christi. There's all kinds of capital investment that's going in here in Texas. Um, when we look at what's going to happen with this tax bill. You know, would we see some of these big companies pull some of their their uh, their resources, their money out of Texas to go and do this long lead project? Is it something that we might see in 2018 as the prices rise? Companies go, you know what? It is a seven year lead time. They understand all these difficulties. Um, would they go for something like that over the, the easy money, if you will, here in Texas? Uh, I wouldn't think so. I wouldn't think there would be that kind of an impact. The, the companies that we're talking about are companies that have annual capital budgets for drilling, you know, and development, uh, you know, in the 20, 30, $40 billion range. So if they decide to try to take Anwar on, that'll be a part of that overall capital budget. But I don't think that means they're going to be pulling resources or capital uh, dollars out of the Permian Basin to go drill in Anwar because you would be sacrificing current reserves and current production for anticipated production many years down the road. And that wouldn't really make sense from a, from an investor standpoint. That's the other thing about this, you know, uh, companies have to uh, satisfy their investors uh, in addition to their own plans and desires to go explore. They also have to have the approval from their investors. And a company that announces it is going to go, you know, try to acquire leases in Anwar and develop that, um, Again, you know, you're going to have investors giving you feedback about that. And uh, I just think any company that's going to say, oh, gosh, we're going to sell out of the Permian Basin and sacrifice that production and those drilling opportunities today to go try to, you know, speculate up in Anwar that we might be producing barrels of oil 10 years from now to make up for is going to face pretty severe resistance from investors. No, I, I couldn't agree more, but I mean, I, I guess I'm a little confused here because if you read the headlines, it sounds like this tax plan I saw the other day is going to kill like 10 million Americans. And so I'm just, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if it's that dangerous of a tax plan, you might see companies do stuff that makes us no sense at all. And so <laughs> the Alaska part of the equation to me is, is, as we talked about on Energy Week, it's kind of, okay, whatever. But, um, you know, you, you start seeing some of these articles and, you know, what could happen and all this stuff. And I, I just look at it, it's like, there's easy money here in Texas. 
maybe they'll go do it, but I don't really think that's going to change a lot. Um, but let's talk about the tax plan for the folks here in Texas, for your smaller producers, um, the folks who are out there just drilling in the permit. They're not at ExxonMobil. Um, what kind of impact, if any, will this tax plan have on them? Well, unless you're a corporation, uh, it probably won't have much of any impact on you because uh, both versions, both the House and Senate version, preserve the current tax treatments for intangible drilling costs and percentage depletion uh, that are currently on the books. So there'll be no impacts there. Um, If you're a corporation, it it gets more complicated. Um, You know, you will have a a lower overall tax rate. Uh, You will be able to still uh, deduct intangible drilling costs as you currently do, Uh, at least for independent producers. The majors uh, don't get to take advantage of that. Um, and so, but, but then the rest of the bill, you know, there are, would be opportunities to expense, expense certain other capital investments rather than having to depreciate them, which would be very stimulative for, you know, for capital investment. But on the other hand, there's also going to be limitations on what interest deductions you can take, uh, as a corporation and, and other limitations on deductions that are still to be decided uh, or negotiated in this conference. So it'll be a bit of a mixed bag, but at the end of the day, the thought is that the lower overall corporate tax rate will result in a next net tax cut, you know, for corporations and then on the individual side for individuals as well. So I think at the end of the day, it's a really positive, regardless of, of, what comes out of this conference is going to be a very positive bill for the oil and gas company and a, a bill that will stimulate uh, additional drilling and, and investments in this country, not just from the oil and gas industry, but from pretty much every industry uh, in the country. Yeah, and you, you answered it the way I was, I was hoping you would. I, I worded the question poorly. I was being smaller as if I got an Apache compared to an ExxonMobil, uh, more of an yeah, independent non uh, compared to the majors. Um, you know, when we look at this, it seems like there's a lot of pushback on this bill because it is giving tax breaks to the oil and gas folks. And, you know, if we're in the business, you know, we understand that everyone's not an ExxonMobil. That's why I like using the term smaller, just because people who aren't in the business might go, you know, we talk about oil, it's always big oil. Well, there's not, like, everybody's not big oil. Um, but there's there's been a lot of headlines in the news circulating about, about how this is for the rich, it's for the 1%, it's for big oil, it's for all this stuff. Um, I'm not a tax guy, so I'm not trying to claim to be. But it seems like most of this stuff, first off, I'm not big on taxes as it is, so it's hard to convince me that you should be taxing them. But, but secondly, even if you're going to have that argument, it seems that a lot of this stuff that's being proposed isn't really that big of a revolutionary idea as it pertains to oil and gas companies. It seems pretty much common sense stuff. Or, or is there anything we're missing when we look at this bill? And go, Maybe that, that the government's, you know, that big oil has bought out President Trump and you know, they're getting some kind of special advantage? Well, what gets missed in all the media reporting is the fact that the United States of all the developed countries in the world has the highest corporate tax rate. And that ends up making our country less competitive on the global market for investment uh, in manufacturing and industrial processes. And, and it, it causes us to lose jobs overseas because of that, because the plant, the new investments for plant and equipment go overseas where the tax rates are lower. And so the whole point of this exercise on the corporate side of the ledger is to reduce that marginal tax rate in order to attract a new investment in the United States. 
which will create more jobs. And, and so that benefits everybody. It creates more jobs in America. I saw, saw a news report this morning because we had a very positive jobs report this week, right? Yet again, uh, the 12th in a row. And, um, and so uh, one of the, the liberal analysts on, on CNN was saying, oh, gosh, well, you know, we, we're creating all these jobs. Do we really need a tax cut? Well, you know, I mean, it's good that we're creating jobs. What's wrong with creating more jobs? What's wrong with creating more opportunity for ordinary people who aren't currently working to have a job and to make a living and to support their families? Yeah, you're going to end up with a lower corporate tax rate, but that benefits everybody. And that's a part of it that, of course, you know, doesn't get reported because you got to try to say these things in 25 words or less in the national news media. But that's the reality of this. It's, it's, it's good for everyone. It's good for the whole economy. And that, that just uh, makes it a, a good thing for, for all Americans, really. Yeah. And, you know, my, my question is, is what's wrong with someone who's earned their money keeping it? I, you know, that just, yeah. I don't know. That's a novel concept, I guess. But uh, it's, it seems if you turn the media, giving anyone their money, the money that they've earned back is, is a bad idea. My, my favorite part of, of, of all this is anytime the Republicans start working on a bill to cut taxes, we get to see the spectacle of a bunch of Democrats pretending to care about the budget deficit, right? You know, I mean, for the oh, last exactly. eight years, they couldn't exactly. have cared less about it. But now that we're planning to cut taxes, oh, my goodness, we have to worry about the budget deficit, which is a legitimate concern. Uh, I just right. wish they'd have been worried about it for the previous eight years. Right. Well, David, I got one more question and we'll let you get out of here. And obviously for the listeners, be sure to check out David. He's got a great piece at Shell Mag on President Trump, what he's done for the for the energy sector. So go check that out. Shell Mag, Josh, we'll make sure to link that in the show notes. Uh, energy Week, um, you can catch him teaching me about energy. This is a great show. I love doing it with David. Every Mondays that comes out. Um, and Forbes and DB Daily Update where you can find all of David's stuff. But David, before I let you go, um, everyone's excited about 2018. The price is ticking upward um, and it is looking like it's good, especially for the first half. With this tax cut, more drilling, more incentivized in the oil and gas industry, or will it have not that much of an impact? It's just going to be a good year regardless of what happens with the tax bill. You know, it, it could incentivize some some additional drilling, but it's going a lot of that's going to depend on what the effective date is. Because if you re- recall, the Senate version of the bill pushes off the corporate rate cut until 2019. And if that stays in as a part of, of, of the compromise bill, then, you know, it won't have any real effect next year. We'll have to wait to 2019 to see. But yeah, it could stimulate more drilling and, 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 and more U.S. production and more U.S. jobs. And uh, that might have a, you know, put some downward pressure on the, the global oil price. But uh, the way demand is increase, increasing across the world because the economy is getting stronger, I think that more than makes up for anything we're doing here. Okay. Well, David, look, you enjoyed it as always. And I will talk to you on Monday as we have on Alan Gilmore from Drilling Info and uh, look forward to another episode of Energy Week um, as we cover, I'm sure, a lot of interesting stuff. As, it, as, the, as the weekend turns into a new week, there's always new headlines and things to talk about. So look forward to talking to you on Monday. Hey, thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for coming on, David. Have a good one. All right. Welcome on our guest, Sergio Chapa. He's a journalist with the San Antonio Business Journal. Uh, Sergio, how's it going, buddy? Hey, good morning. Hey, just trying to stay warm. We had a snowstorm in San Antonio last night. It was uh, quite a sight. I yeah, saw, man, I, it's it's uh, it's getting pretty cold. Sorry, Ryan. I was just gonna say I saw you talking about that on Twitter. I didn't know if you were being serious or what, how much snow did y'all get down there? Because you know I'm north of you guys and it was cold, but we didn't get no snow. We got about about two inches of snow. That's enough to make a, a snowman and have <laughs> snowball fights. <laughs> just enough, then. <laughs>
Yeah. And enough to ice over the solar panels, making <laughs> you think, uh, <laughs> making you wonder about oil and gas. <laughs> well, Sergio, uh, we wanted to jump into something we covered last week, uh, Howard Energy. They were seeking some help from the Trump administration. And we touched on this last week and uh, we talked to you, I believe, off, off the show. And I think, uh, is there anything else you have for us today about the Howard Energy? Did that permit actually go go through? Yeah, you you bet it did. It happened on Friday, December first. Uh, you could say that Christmas came early for Howard Energy Partners. Um, you know, they got the the permit they've been seeking, um, presidential permit, giving them uh, giving them authority to put their nat- cross border natural gas pipeline into service. Now, this is part of the Nueva Era pipeline which runs from, you know, Webb County and Laredo, Texas, on down to Monterey, you know, feeding uh, natural gas to the growing uh, market down there. And it's a saga that was like three and a half years in the making. I mean, they applied, they originally applied for this in, in July 2014, and they got approval to build it in May 2015, so less than a year later. And then, of course, you know, two and a half years of construction and and um, engineering and lining up customers and everything. And it looks like now they'll be ready to go probably before Christmas. Well, I mean, I, I've got to ask, Sergio, this is twice on the Texas Oil and Gas podcast. We've talked about one of your show, uh, one of your stories, and President Trump needs to intervene. And President Trump has intervened now twice. Can you break the news to our listeners that it is official that he does listen to the show, or are we still waiting to confirm <laughs> from the Trump administration that? <laughs> no, uh... Well, I mean, this was already in the process with the FERC, but of course, you know, appointees help, um, you know, um, get these, move these things along faster. Um, you know, th- this, this, this permitting process started, you know, during the Obama administration, of course, but it seemed to accelerate a little bit, um, you know, of course, after Donald Trump took office. Um, you know, there, there, Donald Trump did have a, uh, a big press conference, and I, I believe it was called Securing America's Energy or something along those lines, but he had, like, CEOs from at least a dozen um, energy companies there, and that's where they had announced, you know, several cross-border projects, two of them here in Texas, one in Reynosa and another one in, in Laredo belonging to Newstar. And then, of course, um, you know, at that same press conference, you know, Trump announced the, you know, the Dakota Access Pipeline, which benefited uh, uh, that, that company in Dallas, uh, Energy Transfer Energy Partners. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they also announced Keystone Pipeline, which benefits uh, Valero, Valero's refineries along the Gulf Coast. So all, all big projects. And, and the Trump administration has made it very clear that they're, they're pro-pipeline and pro-oil and gas. Well, tell the folks over at Howard if they want to send uh, Josh and I a gift basket for getting Trump to get that approved. We'll be happy to to take that. We'll send you our address offline. Yeah. Uh, we, we we apparently have got to end you'd with the rather, man. You'd so. rather get their you'd rather get their new stock that they're going to get. <laughs> well, they I can, hear that'll be the stock and stuffer to get. They can feel free once to they go give, public yeah. once they get approved. Well, feel free to give Josh and I a couple thousand shares apiece. We'll be happy to take that as a as a bonus. But you know, one of the things we talked about in all seriousness, Sergio, is. This was important, in my opinion, and I want to get your take on this, because getting this done, I think, kind of gives the pathway forward for um, other companies who might be looking into doing this once they feel comfortable that the Trump administration is going to greenlight these projects. And once you know the procedure to do a project, then you can decide if it's worth doing or not. If you don't know, you're kind of going to be skeptical, going, well, we might get a permit. It might take forever to get the, the approval. You know, Investors could become unhappy. Um, so 
Howard Energy, obviously, there's high fives all around their their office. But other companies, are they going to look at this and go, okay, you know what? Now we know the plan to get through this process. We know how long it's going to take. Will we see more headlines like this? Um, companies looking for cross-border pipelines uh, now that Trump has greenlighted this deal? Yeah, no, of course. A lot of them are greatly encouraged now. You know, at the same time, you have several pending uh, projects, permits for projects involving, like, liquefied natural gas. And, um, you know, uh, they're looking to the Trump administration to approve their projects. Um, a lot of them that are cross-border projects, you know, uh, in addition to, like, the EPA and environmental uh, reviews, they're, they have to be reviewed by the State Department um, because they involve, you know, crossing an international border. And so, as you know, you know, Rex Tillerson, former CEO of ExxonMobil, is now in, in charge of the State Department. So, I mean, that that could add, a you know, another uh, degree of friendliness towards these projects. Um, it's, it's important to note that, you know, Howard Energy Partners, they have another pending permit application right now for a, for a, a refined products pipeline to run it from Corpus to Laredo and then from Laredo, on south to Monterey, so it'll be moving gasoline, diesel, jet fuel, all those, all those things. And uh, right now, it's at the uh, stage where it's uh, they had just completed the environmental review, giving it a, a draft environmental review, giving it uh, the green light to go forward. Uh, there's public comment period, which just ended, I believe, just a, a week or two ago, and then from there. They didn't even really receive any comments. I think they got one from Texas Parks and Wildlife about endangered species, and they got one from some anonymous person about oil, about that was pro oil and gas. And you know, from those comments, they're going to develop the final draft of the uh, of the uh, of the environmental assessment. From there, the project will move on for final consideration. Well, Sergio, we have uh, we have another breaking piece that you you put out i believe earlier this week uh, san antonio entrepreneurs redeveloping a old industrial site in a private marine terminal near rockport um, looks like a pretty interesting article there uh, looks like a good opportunity is coming up in rockport no definitely and, and the timing couldn't even be better i mean uh, a lot of people in that in rockport you know which was devastated by uh, hurricane harvey in late august they're excited about this project it's uh, basically breathing new life into an old industrial site that had become an eyesore. Um, you know, uh, CNR Operations uh, CEO Clayton Reeser, he had uh, he had purchased this 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 plant, and it, it's a it's a carbon black plant where they used to burn crude oil just basically to make it into soot, and they could make use the soot to make things like tires and you know other products that needed that that carbon. And, uh, you know, that plant was shut down in 2009, and he bought it from a German company in April of this year. And, you know, since that time, he's been going through these strict environmental um, remediation work. And uh, once that's all said and done, he wants to turn the site into a private marine terminal, you know, for aggregates, refined products, um, you know, commodities, whatever, you know, can be shipped out of there. He's, he's basically got his own private dock and port, you know, right there along the um, – along the Gulf Coast, along Redfish Bay. So it's serviced by road, train, uh, pipeline, and water. So it's got barge service. It'll become a, a brown water marine terminal um, right there between Rockport and Aransas Pass. 
Okay, kind of help me out here, Sergio. You've covered the, the Port of Corpus Christi extensively in your reporting on this story. Is there any overlap between what he's trying to do and what the port? I mean, obviously, they're not this guy looking to bring super tankers in, but is he trying to siphon off some business from the Port of Corpus Christi and some of those other ports, or is it kind of something that 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 the market down there doesn't have and he's trying to bring to the area? Right. No. You know. So I asked that same question, um, and you know, as you're aware, there's like billions and billions of dollars investment in, in Corpus Christi. And um, this facility in particular has a uh, 13-foot trap. So you're not going to, like you said, you're not going to see the Aframax. You're not going to see the Suez Max. You're going to see these brown water uh, barges and tankers coming in and out of there. But, you know, it, it's, it has already proven to be a valuable site. They, they're, not, they're not competing with the Port of Corpus Christi. Rather, rather they're complementing it. Um, you know, uh, he, uh, Clayton, uh, he set up a... Uh, a, a fleeting service, a, you know, it's like a tanker cleaning service there at his site. And what's going on now, his first customer actually came from Trafigura over at the uh, Port of Corpus Christi to come into his facility to get a cleaning. The, the tanker had been hauling naphtha, and then it needed to be cleaned to haul jet fuel. So it came in from Corpus, and it's very conveniently just, you know, about, I don't know, I'd say about uh, 30, 40 miles down the coast short ride to get cleaned and then went back and picked up the shipment of jet fuel it needed. So, I mean, you know, I, I, I don't, uh, you know, Clayton doesn't see it as, as a, as a conflict and as competition, it's just complimentary. And plus, you know, his facility can move other things that, that aren't, you know, can't be moved necessarily at Port of Corpus Christi. So. No, and that's good to hear because, I mean, I'm not against competition, obviously. I just was curious because, you know, you, you look at what's going on at Corpus Christi on all the money being poured into there. I was just wondering, man, is, is they're going to try to go in and compete with that right now? It seems like with all the other things that are going to Corpus, I mean, this is not too far outside of Corpus, but just everything that's going to Corpus directly and to that port, it would seem to be a bad time almost to try to compete with them and uh, and all the money with the dredging and the new bridge. and just, It would just be an interesting business strategy to try to compete with them, but to, to offer something that's a little bit different um, might be actually beneficial for the area because then you can look at things that aren't going to Corpus directly. Um, now you have a, a, a spot just was it just north of Corpus Port, right? Right, right, just forty five miles up. You know, ideally he's looking for a single tenant. Um, they do have storage tanks there, so they have you know capacity to store either crude oil or refined products there. Um, so that that would be something uh, useful. There, they're looking for a single, hopefully one single large tenant, or they could do two or three tenants would fit on that, you know, 230 acre property. So um, it's it's just open for development right now. It's it's a blank slate that could become anything. A lot of potential there on that site. Awesome, awesome. Well, uh, Sergio, we have your drilling permit roundup we wanted to to cover with you before we let you go. Uh, always good to go over that with you. So uh, I know we have some news with BHP. Uh, they're, they're right. I think, five permits, I believe, is what you what you said. Right. Yeah. The thing I love about the drilling permit round, it's always like little surprising data finds. And, and you know, uh, BHP Billiton had been kind of quiet, and then they've been in the headlines lately because of their, you know, announcement that they're going to sell all of their shale assets in the United States, all of their onshore assets, and. Um, you know that that had been a that had been a thing reported, you know, uh, by our uh, our paper and elsewhere in the media. But then, uh, like once the, once all that cleared out, it's pretty clear that you know in the meantime, this is the the, the BHP Billiton's uh, you know executives estimated it'll take about two years to sell these assets. 
but in the meantime, it, it seems like they're going to keep on drilling what they got. Um, I, I found a, five drilling permits for you know projects in DeWitt County, just here, east here of San Antonio, and it's all they're all targeting the Eagleford um, and those projects. So they are, uh, even though you know they're, they're they've publicly announced they're going to sell these these uh, oil leases, they're still drilling on them, and it looks like they intend to do so. And who knows if oil prices go, you know higher or anything um, maybe they'll even hang on to them you, you never know you never know we're going to be watching it very closely that's for sure well and i guess just so i'm clear here do you think this is them actually drilling i mean they're obviously trying to make money but are they just trying to hold on to that acreage so they don't lose their acreage while they go through this sale process or is it more of no they're you know they're just trying to make money and you know keep investors happy and the, the holding the acreage isn't necessarily the key here no 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 you're right brian i mean that that certainly uh, plays part in some of these uh, permits and and these leases so um but yeah i mean at the same time why not make money you know right <laughs> in the meantime <laughs> right and hey uh sergio obviously you know as everyone knows i'm a subscriber to the san antonio business journal i get my hard copy in the mail uh check it all the time online um and so i follow you pretty regularly on twitter as well uh, but you know I, I i still haven't seen that cabot oil and gas update can you give us that <laughs> before we get you out of here today well i apologize to cabot but uh i I do have to step into a meeting, so I, I'm afraid that we ran out of time for that. Okay, okay. Well, no time for Cabot today, but where can people find you at until you come back on the show again? Well, I'm always on Twitter and LinkedIn. Uh, LinkedIn seems to be a very popular place to be for the oil and gas world these days. Um, so I'm on LinkedIn or Twitter. Just look me up there. Okay. Well, Sergio, it was good to have you back on again, man, and uh, good to talk to you. And uh, folks really need to go check out Sergio's work. As I say all the time, he's got his finger on the pulse of the Equalford show like no one else. And so um, if you're in that area, you're looking for work, you're just trying to follow what's going on, Sergio Chapa at the San Antonio Business Journal is the man to follow. Sergio, it was great to have you on again and look forward to talking to you soon. All right. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Sergio. All right. Well, uh, Ryan, it was great having on David and Sergio today. Uh, covered a lot of a lot of information. Uh, again, we're going to post those five pieces of breaking news uh, from the mergers and acquisitions and the show notes. If you're interested in following any of those, go take a look. Uh, otherwise, Ryan, I think that's about it for today. Do we have any anything we want to plug before we uh, before we hop off? No, that is it, Josh. We do have our sponsor once again, which is Inkhead. Free shipping while the promo lasts, so be sure to check it out. If you're going to do tumblers, mugs, shirts, decals, pins, whatever, Inkhead has it. Free shipping, folks, while this promotion lasts. AFF, ship free. Josh and I will put that in the show notes. You can do it. Um, and so, as you know, you know, sometimes you order this stuff, and the shipping can be very expensive. So to get that free shipping, it's almost like getting it from Amazon Prime, except for you get it from a company who does this every day for a living. Inkhead. So go to globalenergymedia.com slash ink. That's globalenergymedia.com slash ink. Use the promo code AFF SHIP FREE. And until next time, keep climbing.